following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I want to share this message that God put on my heart with you this morning, uh, but I want to start with uh, a scene that I used to see as a, as a child in, in New York City uh, as I would get up to uh, go to school, walk to school. I would see these other dads in the neighborhood uh, grabbing their lunch or their briefcase, and they would walk down the same streets we would, but they would get on the train to go into Manhattan to work at the New York Stock Exchange. So a lot of the dads in the neighborhood worked at the Stock Exchange, and if you've ever been to New York City, they got the, the New York Stock Exchange, and it's a place where there's a lot of exchanging going on. There, it's the biggest stock exchange in the world. Uh, all of the trade in America is happening there, and there's even other countries that exchange and buy and sell stocks through our stock exchange. And so they say there's about $3 trillion a month in exchanges that go on in this stock exchange. Now, when people buy and they sell the stocks down there, the way it works is, you know, Someone is buying and someone is selling, and that's kind of what makes this big stock exchange thing work. Of course, now people can do this online, but it's still this stuff is all happening down there. Now, when people buy or people sell, depending on when they do, some people win and some people lose. That's the way it works with the stock exchange. Some people sell, and then the market goes way up, and they realize, oops, I kind of lost on that opportunity. Or some people buy when it's really high and then it goes down. So on, the, on every side of every trade, you could say there are winners and losers. And no matter how well you do in the stock exchange, much of it won't really matter in 50 years from now, 50, 60 years from now, because we can't take it with us. And the only thing will matter if you did really, really well in the stock exchange the only thing that would matter is that we do things that have any kind of eternal value with it because the Bible says don't store up treasures where moth destroy and rust will fade away um, and thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. So no matter how well we do or don't do on the New York Stock Exchange, it won't matter so much in 50 or 60 years. But I didn't come here to tell you about the New York Stock Exchange this morning. I want to talk to you about a different exchange. There's another exchange. And this exchange is not on the news every night. This exchange is not in the newspaper every day. But this exchange is far more important and it has far more um, uh, priority in God's eyes. This exchange affects everybody every day. The five billion people on the planet are all involved in this exchange. I would like to call it the great exchange. The great exchange. And in this great exchange, it's this place where people like you and I every day deal with an exchange as well. It doesn't happen in New York City and it doesn't happen online. It happens right here in these hearts of ours. There's this great exchange going on between truths, things that are true, and things that are lies. And you and I every day are making exchanges. Whether we realize it or not, there's a great exchange happening every day. And it's really, really important. It has to do with the choices we're making and what we believe. If you think about it, every single thing we do is based on a belief. 
If we believe it, we act on it. If we think I'll be better if I have that, then we act on that. If we think I don't want to do that because this will happen to me, then that's the way we act as well. Action is based on a belief, either believing something true or believing something not true. But there's this great exchange going on daily in our lives between, between truth and lies. Um, I want to look at a few scriptures today that talk about this great exchange and how you and I can come out on the winning side of the trade. Remember we said every trade, there's a winning side and a losing side of every trade. My prayer is that on this great exchange, the one that matters most, you and I come out on the winning side of this trade, on this exchange. Uh, it says in Romans one twenty five. we have some of these for up here, or you can open your Bible or turn your device there. We're going to be looking at a few different texts today that talk about this um, great exchange that actually happens all the time involving you and I. Romans one twenty five. Um, it talks about this exchange very clearly. It's a very common thing we see in our In our society, it says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. They exchanged the truth for a lie, and what their exchange was, God's truth, they took God's truth, gave it away, and exchanged it for a lie. And what that looked like, that transaction that happened on their great exchange between truth and lies, it happens all the time. He's talking about a dynamic of people who are taking the reality and and he's saying that the creator, they exchange the creator for created things. How many people um, have a love in this time, in this society for the creation, right? We love the creation. Do you guys love the creation? I love it. You look at the stars, look at the beach, that's beautiful. But we know it's the creation that we love. We know there is a creator of this beautiful creation that we love. And we see God's handiwork. So when you look at the stars, you look at the beach, you look at all these amazing things, the mountains, you go to Yosemite, you look at the waterfalls, you're like, God, you are so awesome. This is great. I see your handiwork. You are the creator. I see your creation. That is truth. However, some exchange the truth for a lie, and they give away the creator, not acknowledging him, and they worship the creation itself. And there's many people who do that. Mother Earth, planet Earth, they look at the creation, they worship the creation, and they exempt God from from the picture. I would say that kind of exchange, where the Bible says they exchange the truth of God for a lie, is something that's been happening historically, even from the beginning, even here in Romans, and even in our lives every day. Some little things, some big things, where we exchange truths and lies. Hopefully, if you and I are going to be on the winning side of this trade, we have to exchange lies for truth. Amen? Lies that we believed in for some season of time, for some reason, and we exchange those for God's truth. And if you and I are willing to do that, come to terms with what those are, and to be part of this great exchange God's way, you and I will end up on the winning side of this great exchange. Um, it's really, really important. Let's look at the first time we see this happening uh, back in the garden, Garden of Eden. You guys know the story. In fact, we were having dinner the other night and uh, everyone's around the table. My, my daughter, who just uh, turned five about a week ago, she says, okay, guys, I'm going to read everybody a story. Now, she doesn't read yet. And um, she, she takes out her children's illustrated Bible. And it's got print in there, but it's also got pictures. 
She starts reading it completely upside down and turned around. She's like, okay, so Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. Hold on. And, and she continues the story without missing a beat and says, and, and God told them, you can enjoy all the great things in this garden. You can eat all the wonderful things you want, except for don't eat from that tree. That one's a bad tree. That's a nasty tree. That tree will hurt you. Don't eat from that tree. This is her version of the story. And so God walks away, and all of a sudden, the devil comes along and says, it's okay. Don't really worry about that. You can really eat. It's not really going to hurt you. And I love the fact, and, and then she says something like, and then they ate it, and it wrecked everything. She said something. <laughs> <laughs> I love the simplicity in her own little narrative of the creation story, but I am also glad to see at her age of just turning five, she is already understanding the great exchange, that Adam and Eve exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Did you see what they did right there? In the very beginning. It's, uh, the Bible would refer to first use. When you see things used the first time, take note. When you see something come up, back in the beginning, one of the very first snapshots, we see God walking around with Adam and Eve, the Bible says in the coolness of the day, like God's hanging out with them. Could you imagine walking into your backyard or over at Lake Balboa and God's just like walking with you and talking with you? Pretty amazing, right? That's what the relationship was like. And then all of a sudden, they exchange the truth for a lie and it puts this separation. The Bible says, God says you will surely die. And then they the devil comes along and says, well, you won't really surely die. I mean, not really die, die. You're, he didn't tell him you're going to spiritually die, but you're not going to physically die. And so Adam and Eve exchanged the truth for a lie. They ate the fruit, and they did, in fact, sin entered in, changed the future for them, separated them from God, and spiritually they did die. And ever since then, the Redeemer is on his way in a matter of time, and God's sending his prophets till the fullness of time where the Messiah comes to redeem everything that was lost. But Adam and Eve exchanged the truth of God for, for a lie. And God had given them some guidelines. God gave them guidelines in the garden. He said, look, I love you guys so much. I'm giving you all this stuff. It is all for your blessing. I love you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have what you need. I want you to be blessed. But I have to give you some guidelines because I love you. And the guidelines are, eat of everything, but don't, don't touch this one. And so when you and I look at God's guidelines, what we can tend to do is sometimes think, and if we were honest with each other, this will come up in your life, in your heart, in the great exchange going on in this heart of ours. We wonder sometimes, are all of God's guidelines actually really good for me? Have you ever honestly thought that? All of God's guys, more honesty in God's house, please. Yeah, I have, or all of them. I know in general they are, but all of them, because there's some guidelines when I was younger and thinking about stepping into the faith, I'm like, no, I don't really know if that is better for me. I think my way is better than that. I think I will be more blessed my way than God's way. And I think everyone has a struggle with some of the parts of God's word where he's putting forth some guidelines some wisdom, some truth, some counsel for you and I that we can either ex choose to accept it as true and walk in it or push it to the side and say, no, I'm going to believe my way. You and I have the opportunity every day of exchanging in this great exchange truth of God for lies and what we're, what we're believing. And our attitude, our response 
to God's direction is so, so important because it matters completely which side of this trade you and I come out on. If we want to come out on the winning side of the trade, on this great exchange of truth and lies, we have to, if you're a note taker this morning, you might want to write some of these down in this great exchange. Uh, The first one is this, is to know that God's ways are to bless you and not to limit you. God's ways are not to limit you. But we oftentimes, some of them, if you read some parts of the Bible, you're thinking, yeah, God probably, I don't know if that's really for me. There's parts that we exempt ourselves from. There are, there are parts of the word of God, and I remember this as a new believer coming into the faith, that there's parts of this. I said the same thing that the devil was saying. Did God really mean that? Did he really mean that? And you have friends, and you talk to people, and they have their own version of truth. Have you heard from your friend, like your own, their own version of truth, like they got their own angle on what God is saying? It's taking God's truth, and it's changing it for a lie because we think our way is better than God's. Isaiah 55 is the speed limit of life. And it says, God says, my ways are not your ways. Your ways are not my ways. My ways are higher than yours as the heavens are above the earth. But you got to trust God's ways are good. And all of his ways are good all the time. But honestly, I think sometimes we look at some of God's ways, and we think, no, I think my way would be better in this area. And we get a little categorical. And it's so important, if you want to come out on the right side, the winning side of this great exchange between truth and lies, uh, the first one is know that God's ways are to bless you and not to limit you. God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're not to harm you. They are to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And that's really important to know that God's ways really are to bless you, not to limit you. You know, you can look at two different bodies of water. You can look at, for example, a a large lake or a pond, large lake that the water is turning stagnant. Or you can look at a mighty rushing river where the water is crystal clear and, and excellent for drinking. And both of those can have the same amount of water in them, but one of them is so clear and rushing so fast, and the other is stagnant. It's been said that the velocity of a river is determined by its banks. The velocity of a river is determined by its banks. The banks of the river, if they're close, then that river is ripping fast. It's rushing and it's fresh. But if the banks get wider and wider and wider, and wider, before you know it, you just have a big stagnant pond or lake and there's no movement in the water. God puts some guidelines in our life, not to limit us, to bless us, because God wants to see that fruition and that movement. And it comes from what he would say is pure and what is good and what is best for you and I. And so it's so important that we don't look at some of the, some of the guidelines that God puts in our life, that he puts in, our, in his word. Uh, it's important that we don't look at them as limitations, but opportunities for, for blessing. That's really, really important. So we see in the, in the story how Adam and Eve exchanged uh, the truth of God for a lie. And the good news is this. The Bible says that Jesus came to redeem all that which was lost. And there was a lot that was lost in the fall. There was a whole lot that was lost. Relationship with God was lost. The ground was cursed. You read the narrative in the book of Genesis. A lot was lost in the fall. And Jesus came to restore and to redeem all 
that which was lost, beginning with you and I. And that's good news because we get forgiveness, we get a new beginning, we get eternity through Jesus. We also get to live our life here and now with the Holy Spirit on the inside, which is a radical offer and opportunity from the living God. This is all part of the redemption process of Jesus restoring that which was lost. But when we look at that restoration process of what Jesus does, we have to come to terms with what is really going on. And the Bible says that our spirit is made new. Jesus takes away our sin and the Holy Spirit takes residence. Remember the story of Jesus talking to Nicodemus? At night, he comes to him and says, oh, master, great teacher, what does it take to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, unless you're born again, unless you're spiritually made new with a new spirit in you, unless you get a fresh start by the Holy Spirit, you, you, you can't have new life. And of course, Nicodemus thought he was talking about naturally being born again. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about nature. I'm talking about your spiritual nature being made new in your spirit. In, in the internal part of you. Your spirit is made new by the Holy Spirit. And that part's great. And so when you say yes to Jesus, you get the forgiveness and the new beginning in the Holy Spirit. And that is absolutely beautiful. But how many of you realize that when you said yes to Jesus and you began to follow Jesus, that your mind, your thoughts, and your will, and your emotions were not changed at that very same time? Did any of you guys realize that? Like you're still thinking the same. You're trying to think differently. But your brain didn't change overnight when you said yes to Jesus. Your future did. Your eternity changed overnight. Your adoption as a son and daughter of God changed overnight when you said yes to Jesus. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life, that changed forever the second you said yes to Jesus. Your hope and future, life in the Holy Spirit taking residence in you, that changed overnight when you said yes to Jesus. But your mind, your thought process didn't change overnight. Your will, if you're anything like me and most others, your will didn't change overnight. You're trying to work this thing out. And your emotions didn't change overnight. This is something that's being worked out. The Bible calls it sanctification. It's the tune-up process of God. It's God's great tune-up process. And in this process of tuning us up along the way, there is a whole lot of exchanging <laughs> that needs to continue. In this process of God tuning us up, the Bible calls it sanctification. There's a whole lot of exchanging that needs to to go on regarding our mind, our will, and our emotion. And that's because you and I also believed lies for many years. There was things in our life that we did believe. And God is saying, thank you for saying yes to my son. Now can we work on the mind, will, and emotion now? You've dealt with your spirit. You have eternity. But I'm not done with you yet. I, I, I want to I want to do things in you and through you, and I want to bring you to whole other places. And we have to deal with the, the mind, will, and the emotions. And the way we deal with the mind, the will, and the emotions, God would say is, you already believed some lies for a long time, maybe since you were little. And we have to deal with those because we want to exchange the lies for the truth. Remember Adam and Eve exchanged the truth of God for a lie. In Romans, they said, it says they exchanged the truth for a lie. And this redemptive process that God is having with us we want to exchange the lies for the truth in this great redemption process. And there are many different areas. Um, let me just give a, a basic example of how this looks like, and, and then we can kind of graduate from there. Uh, when I was little, I believed in Santa Claus. Did anybody believe in Santa Claus when you were little? Yeah, 
He's going to come. He's going to come down the chimney if you had one. If not, your parents had to make up some story of how he gets in without a chimney. You leave out cookies. Your parents take a couple bites and drink the milk or whatever. Um, you know, and, and so you're really intrigued with the Santa Claus thing. And then as you get older, maybe other kids broke you the news in school telling you it's not real. But you kind of find out, oh, I thought it was real. I thought it was true. And I realize it's not. And we, you might say, well, pastor, that's just a ridiculous little thing. Same with the Easter bunny. You're right. They're little simple things we believe are true, and we come to find out they're not true. But there's all sorts of other things in our formation along the way just like that. When I started to learn about spiritual things, uh, in my tradition that I was raised that I had exposure to, I heard of things like uh, purgatory, for example. Anybody heard of purgatory in the room? Purgatory. Okay, so I'm realizing that there really is not a way to be right with God. There is no being right with God. You just do your best, cross your fingers, and pray hard. And when you die, it's okay because you're not going to go to H-E-L-L. You're probably going to get into this window, hopefully God willing. Forget heaven. It's not very accessible, but somebody will pray you out in your family later on. There'll be enough masses for you on your behalf that will hopefully get you out of this holding tank. This is normal. This is normal. And so I'm, I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of a... Tough thing, but at least you're not down there, but you don't get that, so you're kind of in this zone, and I'm believing this because this is what I'm being told. And at some point, I started to read the Word of God for myself, and I realized the Word is nowhere in there, nor is the precept or the concept of this sort of holding tank getting prayed out of somehow by others after you decease that they're going to somehow get you out. And I'm realizing, wait a second, I was believing I thought it was truth, but now I have to exchange. That's a lie. I've got to exchange it for the truth. Does that make sense? That's just one of many, many, many examples. Um, I was told there were certain things that were mortal sins. Mor- any, mor- mortal sin? Anybody relate to that? Mortal sin. You, you die. Well, I come to find out all sin makes you die, and Jesus' provision makes everyone live. So it's not like, oh, which one did I do on the list? Oh, that was mortal. Oh, no, I died again. I'm, I'm gonna, if I die tonight, I'm dying. So you, you go back in and you, you confess and you're good for a day. And, you know, if you die in between, I don't know, this whole, but, but it, they told me it was true. They told me it's true and I believed it. And, and I realized you've got to start exchanging some things. But there's all sorts of things based on the way you were raised, what you were told, the experiences you have, these things that we form in our life that we hold on to as truth, But if you start checking them with the word of God and God's heart and his spirit, you realize, oh, wait a second. Even as a believer walking with Jesus, there's things that I'm holding on to that aren't truth. And if you want to grow in God's kingdom and his love and his power and his understanding of what his will is for your life, you have to come to terms with truth and lies and start interacting and become part of this great exchange that God wants to have with all of us. It's so, so important. Second point this morning is, is to commit to identifying lies and replacing them with God's truth. Identifying them. Think about that in your life. Ask God, ask God in your time of prayer. Hopefully there'll be a time of you know, prayer at the end, but even this week or tonight, say, God, am I believing any lies? Is there anything in my life that I'm still holding on to thinking it's my way or the way, and you're saying, no, I have actually the opposite. Would you please exchange that with me? I would love to exchange that with you. 
But we have to be transparent with God and willing for God to do surgery on us. David came before God and says, search me, O God. Know my ways. I think David's thinking, I don't even know my own ways. I'm messed up sometimes, God. Just search me, God. Know my ways. Show me if there's any iniquity or thing in me. If I got to do some exchanging with you, God, search me. Let's do business. God's like, that's awesome. I can restore somebody with that kind of heart condition. If you're willing to do an exchange, God would say. And so that's really important, to commit to identifying lies and replacing them with God's truth. Uh, Romans 8.29, if you you can turn there, or again, we have it for the screen up here, uh, talks about this process and and what it looks like, how there's this exchanging going on, and how, how you and I are changing in the process of this exchange. We actually start to change. There's a, there's a reshaping, a reforming that goes on. As you and I start to follow Jesus, um, we, start to, we start to change. Uh, how many of you guys know that Jesus loves everyone right where they're at? You know that? You got, you got to know that. Loves everyone right where they're at. I don't care how messed up anyone is or how far away. He loves them right where they're at. And he says, come to me. He says, turn. Just change your mind. Everyone, come, change your mind. Loves everyone right where they're at. But he also loves everybody too much to leave them right where they're at. Amen? So we come as we are. We don't get cleaned up to come to Jesus. Jesus is like, you can't clean yourself. Come the way you are. But when you come, when you come, let's, let me help you start changing your mind. Let me help you start understanding how, how, how we can partner in this great exchange and you can become more like me. Um, it says in Romans 8.29, great Great passage. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. To be conformed. God's heart, God's plan, God's predestined view and heart for you and I is that we would be trans, uh, conformed to the image of his son. Now, you think of the image of the son. You ever see those pictures where it shows a picture of one person and they morph it into another person. Have you seen those? They're kind of funny, right? They take one face and the picture kind of morphs into another one. Well, here's what God's trying to do. God's heart is for you and I that when we see our face in the mirror, that we begin to see Jesus' face. You get that visual? This is an important visual because this is God's heart. It's his predestined plan is that when people see you, they begin to see this transformed face like, oh, that's weird. I thought I saw Jesus. Huh. That was weird. I know I looked at you, but I thought I saw Jesus. I'm just, you know, this this thing happened, this transformation, this being conformed. It says conformed to the image of Jesus, the image of Jesus, who he is, how he lives, what he does, who he represents, all this thing, his mission, his heart, his love um, to be conformed. This is God's heart to be conformed. The Bible says that he's the potter. I mean, excuse me, we're the pot. He's the, he's the potter and we're the clay. And as he puts us on that wheel, that, that the potter's wheel, and there's spinning going on, and there's a, the, the potter gets to shape. If he wants to make it into a vase, he can do that. If he wants to make it into a bowl, he can do that. He can do whatever he wants with it. And, and, and the picture is that he's the potter and we're the clay, and, and we're being conformed, we're being shaped by God. God's trying to shape us into the image of his son. And while he's shaping us, you and I should not fight the process, don't Fight the process. Please, if you hear one thing this morning, don't fight the process of God transforming and conforming and shaping you because we can. 
We can agree with God on the process. I think sometimes we can get up and walk right off that potter's wheel. <laughs> I'm done with this for right now. I don't want to be reshaped. And God's like, when you're ready to come back to me, I, re- I want to shape you. I want to mold you. I got such a better way for you. But we have to be willing to be on that potter's wheel and let God shape us. And he can, he can make us into that image. The image is the image of Jesus. It's a beautiful image. Uh, Galatians 4.19, Paul comments on this again. And this is what he says. He talk, he's talking to the Galatians. He's like, I'm going to keep on working with you guys over and over again relentlessly. I'm going to keep pressing in with you guys, quote unquote, until Christ is formed in you. Like we're not done until Jesus, until people see Jesus when they see you. He goes, I'm going to keep working with you, Galatians. And it's a pretty cool picture of how we are conformed into the image of Jesus and how uh, God's trying to shape us and, and, and put us in this, in this place um, because God has a better image of you than the world does for you. And the world would like to present an image for you. The world would like you to be conformed into its image. Uh, In fact, that's one of the biggest things the Roman Empire had, the biggest problems they had with Christianity was not that they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was not that they believed that, uh, it, it was not because the Christians believed God sent his son to die for the sins of the world. That wasn't the main issue. Rome was okay with multiple gods. They didn't have a major issue. They had an issue that the people of God, the Christians, were being conformed into the image of Jesus and did not want to be conformed into the image of the world. And Rome lived for Rome. And everyone celebrated and did what Rome did on every celebration, on every area. And the Christians started to go, yeah, we're actually being conformed more in Jesus' image than this image. And Rome said, we've never seen a faith that is taking people away from the world. Jesus says that you're in the world, but not of the world. So we're not to be conformed into the image of the world. The world wants to conform us in the world's image, but God is trying to conform us into Jesus' image. And the Roman Empire looked at that and go, oh, I think this is going to be a problem. Do you see how that worked? Even though there was multiple religions, only the Christ followers did they have this big issue with because they were being conformed into the image of Jesus instead of the image of Rome. The other religions would just go the way of Rome. It was fine. And so it was pretty interesting. Um, So... Uh, If you're a note taker on that, the third point this morning is to exchange the world's image of me for God's image of me. That's part of this great exchange with truth and lies. The world's got a view of you. The world wants to conform you to an image. And if you live with that modality, if you live with that paradigm of how does others see me and what will they think of me and what is my image, image is a lot to a lot of people. If you're driven by image, the world's view of image, you completely miss this. There needs to be an exchanging of a lie for a truth that you're saying, you know, I care more about God's image. He's, he's the one trying to conform me into the image of his son. The world will conform me into whatever the world wants. God wants to conform me into the image of his son. So start seeing yourself the way, the way God sees you. That's really, really important. Um, that's an exchange that happens right there. Uh, this one I love, Romans 12, 2. Great passage. Many of you guys know this. In fact, Pastor Scott taught on this uh, in detail about a month ago, uh, but I want to look at this one section of it. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform. Remember, we're talking about the shaping going on. There's a shaping, a potter, God, the world, shaping going on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. He's basically saying... 
The world wants to take you that way. God's trying to transform you this way. And the only way that you and I are going to know the will of God, the only way we're going to know God's will for our life, the only way is if we change our mind. It says right here, it's in our transformed by the renewing of our mind. I used to think this way, but God wants me to now think this way. This is the way that we, God says, can I change your mind on a couple things? Can I help you with some exchanges or some truths or some lies? Can we get involved in this exchange? Will you work with me on this? Because if you work with me on this, I get to shape you, conform you, transform you. You get a renewed mind. In fact, the Bible refers to this as putting on the mind of Christ. Comes up a lot of times in the Bible. The mind of Christ. We're thinking, well, we have our own mind. And Jesus had his mind, right? Yes, that's the way it was. But when you say yes to him and he takes residence in you, there's a way we start making this exchange going on, saying, I want to put off the old man and I want to put on the new spiritual man, the man in the Holy Spirit, the the woman who's led by the Holy Spirit. I want to put on the mind of Christ. I will know the will of God if uh, I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind, the renewing of my mind. And this is really important. Um, And this is how... We have victory of renewing the mind is the, is the pathway to victory. Renewing the mind is the key. Rethinking what we thought and why we thought that way and who told us what and what we believed with what God says for us because he knows what's best for us. He always knows what's best. And this is what a renewed mind does. A renewed mind, it thinks differently. It's not motivated by fear. It's motivated by faith. A renewed mind looks at God's promises and says, if God said it, I believe it. I'm standing on it. I'm going to bank on what God says on this great exchange between truth and lies. The the renewed mind will say, God said it. That's as good as gold. I'm going to bank on that one. The renewed mind sees differently. The renewed mind sees through the lens of faith. It sees differently. The the, the renewed mind sees as God sees things. We get caught up in little situations and God's looking down saying, You've totally forgot that I'm in this with you. You don't have to worry about these things. The the renewed mind sees differently. The renewed mind, uh, it it trusts differently. It learns how to trust differently. I really believe God looks down at us, honestly, as his children, and he is very pleased that we trust him with our eternity, with with Jesus' son. I, I, I believe God is so pleased with that. But I also believe there's so many other areas that we don't trust him that I think God's saying, boy, if you could just trust me in these areas, I'd like to help you exchange a lie for the truth. I, I want to help you with a renewed mind so you can get in on the fuller picture because there's a redemptive process in place and I want to move you along on that redemptive process. Remember I said the, the velocity of a river is determined by its banks and God's simply saying, can I help you with some of the banks a little bit? Because the wider this thing gets, the more stagnant it gets. But if you will help me, God would say, if you would work with me on on some of these things, I want to show you they're for your good, not for your harm. They're for your blessing and and, and they're for your velocity and they're for your purity. And this is all part of the renewed mind. The renewed mind trusts differently. Uh, The renewed mind responds differently. Where it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry. The renewed mind responds differently than the natural mind does. And this is all 
part of this great exchange where you and I learn how to put on the mind of Christ. But there is a great exchange going on all the time. And it has to do with truth and lies. And some of them are so subtle, some could be major. But they're lies that we believe. And if we believe them, we will act on them. Listen, if we believe them, we will act on them. Our actions are based on a belief system, something we believe we're going to get or it's going to happen or won't happen based on what we believe. And we act on these things. That's why this great exchange is so, so important. Um, the last scripture I want to share with you, this one's awesome too, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, and um, I believe we have this up here as well. It says this, talking about this exchange and, and the way we view things and, and, and our mind and, and how we're conformed and transformed. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 16, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This is talking about if Christ is in you, then you are in Christ. The Bible talks about those who are in Christ. The only ones that are in Christ are those who... Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, then you are in Christ. And he says, if that's true of you, if you've given your life to Jesus as a Lord and Savior of life, you said, come in, be the king, take charge. I'm following you now. You're the king of the universe. I'm not. When you demote yourself and promote Jesus in your life, that is the day where he becomes the king of your universe, which really what Lord means. Not just the principle of the Savior of the world, that is a true principle, but literally the Lord of your life. The Bible says on that day, many are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I never knew you. And what he's saying is, Lord, Lord means king, king. I followed you. And he's going to, he, Jesus is going to say, no, actually, you didn't. I wasn't your king. I wasn't, you didn't take direction from me. And that's, it's, it, he's not going to say, on that day, some people say, Savior, Savior. A lot of people believe Jesus is the Savior. A lot of people know he died for sins. But is he the Lord? Because the Lord is, is where he needs to be. That's his position. That puts us in the sequence of following him and, and acknowledging him and promoting him. But if he is, if we are in Christ, excuse me, if Christ is in us, then we are in Christ. And this says, because of that, we are in fact a new creation because now we have the spirit of God in us directing and guiding and comforting and counseling us. And because of that, we don't live like the old creation anymore. And here's part of this exchange that goes on. It says it really clearly here. We don't look at others from a worldly point of view. Because we're a new creation, our point of view is different. Um, we exchange our old perspective for a godly perspective. We exchange a natural outlook for a supernatural outlook. We exchange the language of practicality for the language of faith. There's an exchange going on right here as part of the new creation. And we exchange the way we used to see people with the way God sees people. This is important, guys. The way you and I see people matters so much. And if we're not walking as the new creation with the renewed mind being conformed and transformed, if we don't deal with this exchange thing, you and I will begin to see people in a different view. If we do it God's way, part of this exchange, God would say, would you see people the way I see them? Because I see hope and a future in everybody. I see every person as loved and redeemable. And honestly, I don't think we drive around town and look at everybody that way. And that's why you and I 
need to deal with this great exchange with God. And it says as part of the new creation of Christ is in you, uh, you're a new creation. And that new creation says we don't regard people just from a worldly standpoint anymore. We look at them through, through God's eyes and through God's heart. And so uh, the fourth point this morning is to is exchange my worldly point of view for a godly point of view. And there is an exchange. It's an important one. It's our point of view. It's our perspective. Um, you know, in closing, in fact, this would be good if the worship team comes up. I, um, I was just praying. I'm like, Lord, I, I, thanks for this passage and putting it on my heart to, to talk about this exchange. But as I was really praying, I was like, Lord, what, what single area for our church here today, for, for us here in this room today, what is the biggest area regarding this exchange? That, that is a word for your church today, here and now, that, that is for us in this room. Not knocking down the principles along the way. What is, what is the biggest one? And, and, and I, really, I really sense the Lord say, the word for the church is this. You're trusting me in some areas, but you're not trusting me in all areas. You're trusting me in some areas of your life, but you're not trusting me in all areas of your life. And I want that to be duly noted. I really believe that's the word of the Lord for his church today, here and now. For those of you who are here, take that to heart. I, I'm praying about that. Lord, what does that look like for me? What areas do I need to trust you more in? Because I think if the truth were told, we look at God's plan, his promises, and some of them we say, yes, fully, yep, I get it, I am in on that. And there's other ones we go, we try to walk around a little bit. We try to dodge them or prolong them. And God's saying, it's time. It's time to trust me all the way. It's time to get in the water. It's time to get in where your feet don't touch the ground sometime. It's time to trust me so I can move you and I can have my way in you and through you. And this, guys, is, is where it's at. Um, so the, the last point, I think we should be take note of it if you're a note taker, but I believe it's what the Lord is speaking to us today is exchange trusting me in some things for trusting me in all things. And you may pray about what you're not trusting God in, what areas you're not trusting God. It may be an area that you simply are not trusting God, you're not there yet, and God's saying, it's time to be there, I'm calling you out, it's time to do the great exchange here. Uh, It also may be an area where you used to trust God and you stopped trusting God. People do this all the time. They do it with relationships. Well, I was trusting God, but now I need to take it in my own hands. People do that with finances. People do that with spiritual things. People do that with perspective. They do it with all kinds of things. A great example in the Bible is Saul. Saul started out really well. Saul loved God. Not Saul of Tarsus, Saul, King Saul. He started out great. He had a love for God. His heart was in the right place. Then things started to go a little sideways. And when you look at the end of his life, he's taken everything back in his own hands. Things that he used to do differently. He used to call on God to get direction. And that, then he started getting to the point where, like, I got I to gotta handle this myself. I got to, uh, to figure this out on my own here. I got I to gotta find a way to be about my own business. And God's sitting there looking at him going, really? Saul, you, you used to trust me in these areas. And Saul starts to not trust God in these areas. Even down to the end of his life, he's finally, there's supposed to be a spiritual moment, something happened, and Saul's like, I can't, I am waiting for that. I just got to make this stuff happen. He goes in and just makes it happen. And everything he's doing, he's not trusting in God's promises and God's provision. And we see the end of his life completely opposite than the way he started because he stopped trusting God in areas that he used to trust God in. And I think it can be the same for us. 
either new areas that we simply never trusted God in or areas that we used to trust God and we stopped trusting God. But I would encourage you to pray for that because God is saying, trust me in all areas. If I say it, it's true. Don't take parts of my word out. If I say it, it's true. Trust me. And I believe when we start trusting God this way, we're going to see some things happen personally and collectively, but it will take some exchange. There's a great exchange going on. We might need to exchange a fear for faith. We might exchange a lie for the truth. We might exchange our way for God's way. There's going to be a great exchange going on. And my prayer is that, and my encouragement is that you would trust God to get in on every level of exchange he might have for you. You will never regret because his plans for you are to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And how many of you guys want to get in on the full hope and future God has for you? It's trusting all the way, not part. Trusting all the way. Let's close in prayer right now. Ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Um, and mighty God, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word. You, you talk so much, God, about this process of conforming us into the image of your son and transforming us by the renewing of our mind. And, and this history of the narrative of scripture that we see a whole bunch of people exchanging lies for truth or coming into the faith where they exchange their, their lies, they give their lies away and they acknowledge you as truth, Lord. And, and yet there's people all around us that exchange the truth for a lie, God. And we're navigating this world, this, this great exchange, if you will, in our hearts every day, Lord. And I just want to pray for us this morning, God. I just want to pray that we would begin to trust you in all areas. Uh, We would know, God, that if you put any boundary or limitation or a guideline or wisdom or counsel, it is not to harm us. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be a people who trust you in greater ways, that we would exchange fear for faith, God, that we would uh, exchange hopelessness for hope, God. We would exchange the way we see things from a worldly standpoint, from a godly viewpoint, God. I just pray there would be a great exchange happening today. And I just want to pray that everybody would come to terms with one. Let's do this, family. Let's all just stand up for a moment um, and do business with God right now. And um, that let's uh, maybe just hold your hands out before the Lord this morning. And we all come with things on our mind, things on our heart. We've got all different things and we're dealing with right now in life, but God sees everything that's going on. And I I believe God would say right now that we're thinking about it, maybe it's a good time to make that great exchange. And so just putting your hands out before the Lord right now, if you already have got a little conviction or an insight to an area that is, um, yeah, it's probably time to make that exchange today, God. I, I just want you to pray. Just search your heart. Ask the Lord to search your heart. He'll show you right now. Lord, would you just speak to your people right now? Would you speak to us? Speak to us in the still small voice. And show us right now, Lord God, the lie, any lie that we're believing. Any lie, Lord God, that is a compromise. It's not faith. It's either fear. It's compromise. It's, it's not really your full counsel. Whatever it is, God, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's uh, in any area of our life lacking our trust to you, God, would you, would you just show it to us? And if the Lord showed you what that is, just... Just hold it in your hand before him and say, Lord, symbolically, here it is. And just say in the privacy of your heart, Lord, I just want to, because I believe you want to you sanctify me. You want to transform me. You want to conform me. You want me to exchange lies for truth. And Lord, this morning, I give you this lie in my hand that I've been believing, I've been following, I've been holding on to, I've been leaning on, I've been falling back on or regressing. And I want to exchange it, God. Would you take it away and replace it with your truth, Lord God? And I just pray, Lord God, that everyone in this room would be more conformed into your image 
as a result of this transaction today. And anyone in this room who made that trade with you today, we are coming out on the winning side of the transaction. We are coming out on the winning side of the trade in this great exchange. Lord, let us know we can always come before you with these things that you reveal. And I pray that we would keep coming back and making these exchanges, that you would begin, that today would be the tip of the iceberg to start making all these exchanges with you. And you are so happy, you are so happy that we're being real with you and make these exchanges. We thank you for that. Seal these things in our heart. I pray for a profound blessing on everyone's week as you draw us closer to you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.